everyone. Welcome to the Photo Podcast. My name is Michael Howard. I'm the founder of Photo, and got a quick update on Photo for you. We are 75% done with the front-end development, and we hope to launch Photo 1.0 to everyone on our private beta list uh, in the next few months. We are limiting uh, private beta to the first 5,000 people that join the list, so you can become a private beta user uh, by making a one-time donation of $5, and that helps us with software development costs. Uh, you can learn more about this at photoapp.co slash beta, so photoapp.co slash beta. All private beta users uh, are going to be the first people on the photo platform. So that means that you will be the first people to secure your usernames. Uh, so perhaps you've joined Instagram late or any other social media platform and you've had to settle for this long username or something that you don't quite love. Uh, maybe you got like a really popular name uh, and you really want to secure the shortest version of your name possible, then this is a great opportunity for you to do that. So just visit photoapp.co slash beta and all the details will be there. Okay, so for this episode... I'm thrilled to share with you a conversation I had in the very beginning of 2021 with Nancy Borowick. She's an accomplished photographer whose work has been featured in publications such as the New York Times, and National Geographic, Time Magazine. Her photographs have been exhibited in the U.S., Europe, Australia, and Asia, all over the world. Uh, she is known for her powerful and intimate photojournalism that captures the essence of the human experience in moments of both joy and hardship. So in this episode, we delve into Nancy's unique approach to photography and how she manages to tell compelling stories through her work. We'll also explore some of her most poignant projects, including her documentation of her parents' battle with cancer, which was published in the highly acclaimed book, The Family Imprint. So whether you're a seasoned professional or you're just starting out to explore the world of photography... I'm sure you'll find inspiration in Nancy's incredible work and her approach to storytelling through photography. As always, thank you so, so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Nancy Borland. Nancy, thanks so much for joining me. It's great to have you. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so yeah. excited to be here. Um, I always start with just having you tell a little bit about your story of just how you got started in photography in the first place? Well, I I picked up my, my first camera in high school. My sister loved photography, so naturally I wanted to follow in her footsteps. And I just, I loved, I loved taking pictures. I loved being in the dark room. Like I would like take over all these enlargers. I loved the experience of telling the stories around me and then seeing them come to life in negatives and prints. And not remembering what I shot, you know, it's still a little different with digital now. Um, but that joy of creating something and, and I just always felt like I could better understand my world through my camera. So um, I, I eventually, you know, like I went to college thinking like I couldn't make a career out of photography. I studied a whole bunch of things, but always loved photography. And so post-college, I got very lucky. And interned as a photo assistant at Glamour Magazine, which was a little out of my wheelhouse, but I was so in the mix of it. I got to see how the industry on that side of things worked, which was 
really eye-opening. And even though I didn't feel like I fit in, my dad used to be like, well, it's another tool in your tool belt. Like, you now know all these things. You also know what you don't want to do. And I was like, yes, I'm so close to the photographs. I'm not actually shooting. I mean, it's a long, drawn-out journey, but I ended up going yeah. to Ghana for a few months and, and teaching photography and, and fundraising to build a well at the school where I was teaching. Oh. And then I realized, wow, like my photographs can can help change the lives of other people. And then that kind of set me on a new path. I could create meaningful work that could, you know, be catalyst for change. And it gave me purpose. And, and from that point on, I was like, okay, like I have to find a way to do this every day of my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it's how I see the world. It's how I engage the world. And if I can help people in the process, it would be kind of the dream. Wow. Okay. That's my path in a nutshell. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I know it's hard to like summarize your life in 60 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I found you through Kirsten Lewis and what she's doing with the Documentary Family Awards and all of that. So I kind of went down like a rabbit hole of your work and obviously was just really impacted by the work we do with your parents to the Family Imprint book. And I guess tell people your story with that, with what happened to parents and you documenting that. Yeah, so my mother had had breast cancer for most of my life, uh, starting from when I was like 13. And it was just part of our, it was sort of part of our normal, which is kind of messed up, but like, it's just the reality. And I was just getting my feet wet professionally, you know, taking on any job that came my way. I shot a lot of events, births, not, not births like in the hospital. That was like too advanced for me. I was photographing you know, baby's first birthdays and like yeah. babies on the ground in the park. <laughs> it was right. really simple, but people wanted to baby to do it. And I was like, that's crazy. Just kind of running the freelance life and hustling. And my mom was in treatment for her second recurrence. So the third time with breast cancer. And I wasn't really shooting her that much because again, it was just like our normal. Um, and my father, it was December of 2012 came into New York City with my mom and we went out to dinner at my favorite restaurant. You know, I didn't think anything of it um, until my dad kind of got quiet. And for a second, I was like, it must be my mother. Something must be wrong. And he said, I have a terminal stage four pancreatic cancer and I'm going to start treatment, but the odds are in my favor. And I was shocked because not only was I now learning that he was sick and dying. But that meant that both of my parents were, both of them had cancer and they were both serious, like stage four. I could be potentially losing both of them. And I was 28 years old. Like, and this is, you kind of think your parents are going to be around forever. It's naive, yeah. but like, why wouldn't you think? And I was in total shock. And about a week or two later, my father, he went to my mom and said, do you think Nancy would photograph me and tell my story? Because I had done something similar with my mother when I was a student at the International Center of Photography, the ICP, years earlier. Yeah. And so I said, of course. And that started me on a journey of spending time with my parents as they were both in treatment, kind of trying to tell the story of their lives as they were living them. And, and maybe it was becoming this personal therapeutic processing journal for me because I still couldn't believe what was happening. And if I could 
if I could do something productive, you know, if I could treat it like an assignment, I wanted to spend more time with my parents. And so if I was there shooting, that kind of legitimized my spending time with them in some way. And that was really a really big moment for me to start doing that because I had never really done anything like this before. And I wasn't really thinking clearly, but I just knew I needed to be there and I needed to be shooting. What I didn't realize, though, was that what I was shooting, you know, it wasn't about their cancer and it was about them dying. It was it was about them living. Some people say to me, you know, I'm surprised I don't see more more hospital photographs or or them looking more sick. And I'm like, well, that's not the story that they were living. They were living this story of resilience and perspective and just trying to make the most of the time they had left which is a gift in and of itself. I didn't realize that, but I was living that with them and they were cherishing the time that we all had together. And I was there camera in hand trying to, trying to capture it. Yeah. I, I think I also was desperately afraid of forgetting, mm. you know, forgetting these moments. Yes, they were difficult moments, but they were real human moments. And I was so scared of forgetting and losing my parents that I was trying to hold on to like, everything I possibly could. And of course, I, I look back at the images now and like, you know, I wasn't working on a project. You know, I was just kind of going through the motions. I'd be shooting one moment and then the next moment I'd be in the hallway trying to like, I used to play basketball. So oh, I was oh. really good at boxing. I would box out in the hallway to stop the doctor from walking down the hallway and try to get him into the room. You know, like I was like, I was an advocate. I, I played, mm. I wore all these hats and I played so many roles Kind of the most projects, you don't really know what it is or what it's about or what or the lessons you've learned until you have time to then look back. Because until then, you're just like in the thick of Yeah. It really. I was scared of working on a personal project because I had heard that, you know, it's really intense. You have to be prepared. You have to have all these skills like you just. There were all sorts of excuses and reasons why I was scared of working on a personal project, especially because you're so close to it. But. Sometimes when the situation happens, it's the universe being like, the time is now. You're like, you just dive right in. You don't know what you're doing. I was, I was still developing as a photographer. I was still developing as a storyteller and, and understanding who I was and why I did what I did. And I was lucky that my parents were so open to allowing me to do it. Yeah. It was like two years, right? You photographed them? Yeah. So spoiler alert, they both passed away. Yeah. And and we kind of as a family, we we knew this reality because th this was a reality because my father lost both of his parents to cancer before he was 15 years old. So wow. the way that he treated life, he knew that he was sure that he wouldn't live past 30 or 40 mm. or 50. And he did. I didn't realize this at the time, but now I realize just how much he 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 used to say, you know, we Borwicks, we were never promised longevity. And so you have to really appreciate the time that you do have. And so my father died December 7, 2013, a year and a day after diagnosis. Um, and my mother died December 6, 2014, well, 364 wow. days later, wow. which is, was awful, but also hotly comforting like there was something at play in the universe that coincidence i don't know i mean I, I continued to photograph after the fact because again this camera was 
how I process the world. It became my crutch, <laughs> you know, like it just was, it was that thing, that constant that I could control, that I could use to get through these really difficult times. So after your parents passed, then you, you know, turn that into a book. How was the bookmaking process for you? And what did you learn through that? Oh my gosh. I'm sure it's a vast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had to have like eight hours. <laughs> right, um, yeah, yeah. After I had published the project and shared it with the world and the world shared back with me and I realized that I wasn't alone mm-hmm. and that by sharing my family's story, like I could help others going through something similar, then you know, this gave me like a, a greater purpose on this earth. I needed to continue to help people if I could through my family's tragedy. But I didn't really know how to move forward. And uh, after my parents passed away, we we knew we had to clean out our, our family house. And as we did that, I felt like I was on a treasure hunt because I uncovered these amazing treasures from the past. Journals, cards my parents wrote to each other, old photographs, stories from before I even existed. And I really began to learn about my parents as these individuals, not just as my parents. You know, as these like young people in love yeah. and these yeah. young new parents and all this stuff. And in turn, I actually learned a lot about myself in that process because I started to see parts of myself reflected in, in these stories. And that's around the time that I started thinking, well, I need to scrapbook this because I'm a scrapbooker. So I was like, <laughs> I need to put it all down somewhere. And I got the idea to sort of create a scrapbook about not just not just my experience photographing my parents, but weaving in the old stories. I used I actually used to get questions often from people like, how did your family, how did you survive this? How are you so positive? How did you get through this and not wallow in the depths that is grief? And I used to say, well, I don't know. That's just how we are in my family. But it got me thinking, why are we like this? And by uncovering all of these clues, I started to piece together this family story. And so I, as I started to piece that story together, I realized to tell the true story of my parents and my family, I couldn't just pigeonhole them to this, or not pigeonhole, but like I couldn't just put them in this box of cancer patients. I didn't want to define them by this moment in their lives as important and profound as it was because I needed, I needed to tell the whole story. So now when I tell my story about my family, I can't just show my black and white images. I have to I have to include everything else because they are more than just this moment in time. But you need to understand where we were and how we got there so that you can better understand how we went through it. And I have found that a lot of people have responded to that because they do have these old family photos. They do have these memories. They are nostalgic and it's all part of life. So it's yeah. the, the book making process was deeply cathartic and inspiring for me. And just the idea that people could hold my story in their hands. There's something so transactional about the internet sometimes. Yeah. You know, you kind of like flip through photos and then they're gone and you move on to the next story. Whereas a book, you have to, you have to sit with it and spend some time and you're not checking your email while you're doing it. You're focused. And it slows you down and it brings up memories. I actually had someone who told me they went through my book and they wrote in it. They wrote their own memories or just got them thinking about their own life. And to feel like my art, my form of storytelling inspires 
other creative outlet was inspiring to me. Who am I? I'm just a photographer living in New York, (laughs) just doing my thing. And yeah, the world is unpredictable. Life is unpredictable. And I'm grateful to have had not just the resources to be able to do this, but to have the community support me and be so open to sharing with me. That's in the human experience, just people hearing my story, sharing theirs back and and wanting to even wanting to have the hard conversations because I think that my purpose, as I've figured it out and mentioned many times, if I had to button it up, it would be to reframe the conversation around death so that we can all better appreciate life. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, there's something really powerful. And I think something that photographers struggle with is I think a lot of photographers want to make very universally powerful images at the end um but there's something there's something beautiful about telling your specific story that's very very personal and a lot of photographers do this but through that very specific vulnerable story on the other side of that becomes a lot of universal connection and then there's a lot of like oh me too i'm not the only one and it actually opens up. So you kind of start narrow, but then on, on the when you share it on the backside versus I think a lot of photographers make the mistake of making stuff too broad. And you hit the nail on the head. Like I, my story was unique because it was my story. You know, like it was you know, people could relate in in most in many respects, but everyone has their own story. And I, I think that's what makes photography and storytelling so powerful because it's the universal themes that we can all relate from family to loss to joy uncertainty memory all of those things and i think that's what makes what we do so special yeah i was going to ask you a little bit about getting people to open up to you as you photograph them i mean a lot of the projects you're doing you know you're in people's homes and you're in some very intimate settings how do you get people to trust you to open their life to you i've always been someone i've always been an open book and i have found that to be very helpful in in this line of work because I didn't realize it early on, but by being vulnerable, it kind of gave people permission to be vulnerable back. Um, I've also been the kind of person, always been the kind of person that like wants everyone to feel comfortable. So I just am myself and I'm my weirdest self because sometimes when I'm uncomfortable, I just am weird. One story is that when I was just starting to work with the New York Times, I was sent to photograph this guy who had just got out of prison and we didn't have much in common. And I think the key often is finding that common ground because that brings things up, especially when people, especially for people who are not necessarily very open. Also, I say this as a photographer who has not been photographed all that much, but when I have been photographed, I'm like, no, back away. Like it, <laughs> yeah. it's a weird experience. And like we yeah. kind of lose sight of when someone's watching your world. I digress. Anyway, I met up with this guy to do this portrait and he was so visibly uncomfortable. And that was translating through the photographs that I was taking and it was just not a good situation. So I put my camera down and I was like, okay, we need to like figure this out. What's going on? And and he was like, I'm nervous. And I was like, I make you nervous. And he was like, yeah. I was like, that is the (laughs) silliest thing I've ever heard. So I put my camera down and I just started talking. I was like, well, let me tell you about myself. Let's just get to know each other. I rushed in, you know, like I should have just done this from the beginning, which I think is great advice that I've got from other people, like take some time to get to know your subjects so that you could also find that common ground. 
And within two minutes, we found that because I'm like saying all these things. And I was like, oh, I just turned 29. And he stopped me and he was like, I have two daughters who are 29. I'm like, your daughters, like, this is, do I really make you nervous? And he was like, you know what I'm feeling? I am feeling more comfortable and whatever. Anyway, I was like, let's change this up. So we ended up leaving the office that we were shooting in and we shot on this, like we took an adventure. I demanded that he drives me around to his home and all these places. (laughs) And we became friendly and he really opened up to me then. I think we made some nice images up. So long-winded story, but. Really, I think the key is if you want someone to be open and vulnerable with you, like you really need to take that first step. It takes two to tango. You put yourselves out there and it is amazing how people respond to that. I have had many people say to me, I can't believe I told you those things. (laughs) I'm like, I mean, you can trust me, you know, and that's people just kind of need that permission sometimes. All right. So let's talk about personal work. I know this okay. is like a big passion for you, um, yeah. but you, you've always made time to shoot personally. So I guess, why is it important to you and how has it benefited your career? I didn't realize that I would have such, not just a focus on personal work, but such an interest in personal work because my interests have always been elsewhere. I'm like, why would I want to photograph my own life? My life is boring, which makes it particularly challenging to photograph. I guess right now, in particular, during this pandemic, I've been forced to spend a lot more time with my family and myself and feel like I can exercise my creative outlet because my, my, you know, when you look, when you're told to photograph what's in your backyard, you're like, that's boring. I know it so well. And leaning into a challenge when there's no accountability uh, is really hard. When there's accountability, like an assignment, I have directions, I have a deadline, I'm exercising those muscles and it's a lot more clear and contained and a lot more exciting because you don't know anything about the subjects you're photographing. And and so you get to use your camera as this magnifying glass to like better tell this story. But this reminds me of a time when I met with this editor a long time ago, early in my career, when I worked at Newsday, which is a newspaper on Long Island. And I had been photographing for them five days a week. It was amazing. The stories weren't particularly interesting, but you know, that's part of the game. That's part of the length. Cause like someone wanted to pay me to do what I love. Like, yes, please. It was, it was fun. I got to run around and learn how to be a storyteller and learn how to be a journalist and, and all of those things. I wasn't working on personal work at the time. I was just putting myself into this assignment work a hundred percent. I didn't have time or energy to think about my own world and life. And one day my editor called me in. I stopped by the office and she was like, I just need to tell you that I love your work, but you're shooting like the newspaper. Like I I don't see Nancy in there anymore. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you're so used to shooting for us and the way that we like things to look and yada, yada, yada. But I've lost you. And that's why I hired you. I love what you do when it feels like you. I didn't even realize that. I needed someone else to tell me that. They almost became less creative because I knew I was just kind of going through the motions because I knew they liked things a certain way and whatever. And that really drilled it home for me. Okay, I need to take a step back. And I'm not just doing this for the money. Obviously, none of us are. Um, <laughs> I mean, it helps to survive with that. But like you yeah. become a photographer because it helps you see. It helps you learn. It helps you live in the most magical way. Like, I don't know how I feel like the luckiest part of the luckiest community um, in the world because I I know the secret. The secret is 
is having a camera in your hand and exploring. I think all of us photographers kind of know that. And sometimes we lose sight of that. We're so lucky to to feel, to be able to feel the world in that way and see the world in that way. And um, anyway, I just, it, it, it made me realize that it is so important, especially when you're working for other people and telling other people's stories to bring it back and think about how you can, can work on your, on work that really like nourishes your soul. I don't know. I've never yeah. really articulated that thought. So I'm realizing I'm just ranting, but. Um... Fine. No, it's, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, what are some elements when you're looking at a photograph or when you're trying to create a photograph or when you're looking back on the images you've made, what are some elements within the photo that equate to quality storytelling? I think in, in, with an attempt to be sort of brief about it, the key to telling, to creating a well-rounded photograph, well, one is time. Oh, if only we had all the time in the world to spend with our subjects to really dig, dig deep and peel back those layers. But I think um, we don't always have that. And being able to understand what you're photographing and then trying to bring it to life, you know, like often with newspaper work, they'll only run one image. So you're like, how do I tell an entire story in one image? Mm, yeah. um, I had to do, a, I did a portrait this week for the New York Times of this woman um, who got a small business loan and she works in higher education, college education um, and universities. But because of the pandemic, it was going to be, I was going to shoot her outside, her home. There's no context to be had. And so she said, well, what if I hold some of my college books, whatever, I was like, okay, like this is going to be such a boring, like at least we have that context. It'll be yeah. a boring photo, but we have this context. So I'll run with it. Um, and I was like, okay, how can I make this more interesting? Like, let's give a little foreground and background. Like I, she, she stood behind this tree and we had some nice stuff at the field. And then it was like the gods heard me and the clouds opened up and this stream of sunlight came pouring uh -huh. in and spotlighted her and I was like you know what like that I mean that is my favorite when you when you have nothing nice light brings it to the next level yeah I, I swear like I could take the most boring picture but like if I have nice light like it just elevates it I don't know if I answered your question I'm trying to think like yeah. you know I think I think just also I think exercising the muscle of, of making photographs that mm. are are more than one note you know like and if you feel like your mm. your photograph is one note like I photographed my son and okay, this is a boring photo. Maybe I'll get on the ground and shoot him from like his eye level. And maybe I'll crawl into the basket of toys and shoot from the toy looking at him. Because then maybe that's a story about him at that developmental stage. Just trying to make something out of nothing, uh, I think is key. Just pushing yourself to be like, okay, this was good, but how can I make it better? Mm. How could I do it differently? Yeah. Um, I used to think like that too, like if I had to shoot news and I would show up to a scene and there were 10 photographers all standing in the same place, all shooting at the same angle. I'm like, okay, like I could do that. And usually I would and take some of those. And then I'd be like, okay, how can I do this a little differently? Like, how can I tell the same story in a different way? Yeah. So trying to keep, like, remember that in the back of your head, I think it's really, I think is a valuable tip. Love it. Um, Okay, what are some, maybe like just two or three photographers you would recommend? Maybe they're, you know, kind of heroes of yours or somebody that's inspiring you lately, uh, but just some names of some other photographers that you would love for people to look at. 
Well, one of my mentors who's become, uh, whose work I admired for years and now as a friend would be Stephanie Sinclair. She's a photojournalist uh, that has spent the majority of her professional career humanizing and telling the stories of girls around the world who have been sold and trafficked into child marriage. But she does it in this way that is really powerful and not, it doesn't feel exploitative. And she, she, you, you feel, you see the images and you feel connected to these girls and you feel connected to the cause. And she's actually taken her work and she started a foundation called Too Young to Wet. Her work has now made real impactful differences in these girls' lives. And so not just, so her work is really beautiful and powerful, but like the path that she's taken with it like inspires me daily. Another photographer whose work I have always really loved and whose story really means a lot to me is um and she actually is from the wedding world. Her name's Tazneen Al Sultan. She's out of Saudi yeah. Arabia. Yeah. And what her work is is I think absolutely stunning visually. Uh, and what I find most interesting about her past, and of course, this goes back to personal work, is that, you know, she was married young, got divorced in a culture that does not look kindly upon divorce and has gone on. She's this divorced wedding photographer telling the stories of love <laughs> yeah. um, around the world and doing it so beautifully. And what she's done now, too, is she's kind of transitioned from not just weddings, but into a more journalistic documentary space where she's telling the stories of women around the world, especially in the Middle East, who are maybe not married or divorced or, or have chosen different paths. Like it's, mm. she's, she's allowed her personal story to kind of drive her passion. And I, just, I can't look away. Her work is just so beautiful and colorful and intentional. I don't know. I did, I'm just a huge fan of, of hers and both of their work. I mean, there's so many. St- oh my God, I could go on. I know. But those like are hundreds, two but, yeah. right now that are like in the top of okay. my mind that I really love. Okay, that's awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm grateful to be a part of it. Awesome. Thank you.